Welcome to HeartSpeak Podcast, episode 175, Strengthening Our Connections. Welcome to the HeartSpeak Podcast, where valuable insights are shared that bypass the mind and resonate with the heart. Listen, open your heart, become inspired, find the joy and fulfillment that awaits when you follow your heart. And now, here's your host, Dr. Christine Page. Well, hello there, wherever you are in the world, you are welcome. It's good to be with you again. And how are you doing? I don't know about you, but I'm having some crazy dreams, very life-like dreams that I wake up and say, well, which is the reality? But at the same time, I think it was around the Saturn conjunct the new moon in Aquarius, I feel I'm in a holding pattern. I feel we're all in a holding pattern. What does that mean? If you've ever been on a plane above a city such as London, the plane is often asked to continue to go around in circles before it lands. And that's what I'm feeling we're in. This place where a lot is moving and yet it hasn't yet landed. And it ties in so much with us being in the midwinter here in the Northern Hemisphere. It's as if the shoots of life have not yet pushed through the surface, but there's a lot of rumblings underneath. And it feels as if the newness is about to break forth. New connections, new ways of being, new communities. But we only have to look around our world and see there's a lot of old that still needs to fall away. Now, I don't think we have to wait for the old to fall away before the new can happen. I think it will happen because those new communities come forward, because we look for new connections. I don't think there's anybody who would look out into their world at our so-called political or medical or legal leaders and say, wow, these are the people we want to follow. Uh, Just the loss of face their inability to be experts in the field they're meant to be in, uh, I think is shocking us all. Do what I say rather than questioning me. And so we are in our own way, in some ways floundering, you know, we're in this holding pattern. We're in a plane, but we're not sure when we're gonna land. But I think there's also a strengthening of the core of who we are. And what I'm recognizing is that inside us all there's an awakening now it may be a small awakening and it might be an awakening that isn't going to change the world overnight or even at all but the fact is when we're left to our own devices we seek to make other connections isn't that right it's when things fall away we often say well okay if that's not working then What is inside me that I could connect to that would open new doors to me? I'm sure you've all been through this, whether it's in a from a crisis, might have been a death of a loved one, an illness, a divorce. Or maybe you made a choice to leave someone or move house. And what you realize that, okay, I've got my new house, I've got my new job, but I've got to reach out and make new connections. I have to tell you that's the truth. (laughs) Things aren't always gonna just come to us because we want them. We have to walk to the door at least before the door will open. 
And this idea of making new connections is really the basis of this podcast. Because the connections that I'm talking about are the ones definitely within our brain, but our brain is not limited to living inside our skull. So I'm going to say our consciousness is being bombarded, immersed in cosmic consciousness at the moment, in solar consciousness. So much is happening. Earth consciousness, the changes that are happening. And whether we are so-called conscious of these or they come through our sleep state or just as an idea. Have you had those times where you've thought, oh, I'm going to do this. And, and it feels like nobody else is doing it until you hear other people and you go, oh, they've had the same idea or they've had the same idea. It always reassures me as someone who considers myself as a pioneer that I listen to my peers speak and they say, oh, I've got this new idea. And I think, oh, that's good. I'm, I'm on the right track. It doesn't ever make me feel as if uh, I should let go of my idea. It gives me encouragement. Now, many a times that happens, isn't it, through synchronicities that you may have had a book on your shelf <laughs> for five years. You never read it. All of a sudden you're like, well, what shall I take to read? And there's the book and there's the page you needed to read now. Yes. So when that happens, it doesn't necessarily mean that the book is new. It means that we've opened up our mind, our consciousness to receive something that is new that we didn't even that we didn't think about five years ago. And I think they're fascinating times when we think, how did I ever get here? How did I get to the point where listening to Christine was so enjoyable when maybe five years ago I wasn't doing that because I wasn't in that space? And that to me is what's happening to us all at the moment, whether it's our junk DNA waking up, which I talk about, that 91.8% of our DNA that's been asleep or we've been asleep to it, is that part of us that's waking up? Is it our genes? Is it our consciousness? But anybody who's saying they're asleep at the moment is definitely doing a really good job because it's hard to stay asleep with all this noise going on, this cosmic noise. And recently I was reading about time crystals. Now, what is a time crystal? I'm going to explain. But why did I get interested in this is because Google has come up with an idea to have a quantum computer. And I love quantum physics. I'm fascinated by that whole movement. And as you know, you've heard me say about the, the development of holograms, of how we can live in, within a holographic world and how we live where there is no time, that it's literally how do we move how do we know that we can live in a way in which there's not a linear time, but a circular time? And that's true of the indigenous people. They laugh at us for having a past, present, future. They say, why, when did you make time linear? Or when did time become linear? They consider that they live in the center of time and time moves around them, which makes a lot of sense if we even think of ourselves as you know, in the olden days, we used to say everything went around us, but now we know we go around the sun. The moon goes around us and we go around the sun, but there's this always a circular movement. 
and more accurately, a spiraling movement, because again, we're all moving through space. So it doesn't just go around the circle, we spiral out through circles. And so the idea of having a linear time, you know, you're trying to hold the line between past, present, future, when we're not only circling, but also spiraling, is ridiculous. And this is what has happened in the discovery of time crystals. Now, I need to do more research on what is actually the crystal itself. But as I heard it explained, crystals that we use at the present time in watches or computers tend to have a pattern that repeats itself. Again, a linear pattern. So you could say if you took a large crystal and you cut it in half, you would see the same pattern repeated. And if you cut that half in half and half and half, you keep seeing the same pattern repeated. That's what we might call a linear crystal. But these time crystals, and again, I have to learn whether or not these have been developed. I assume they have been rather than unnatural. I'm still to find that out. They have an ability to oscillate. And when we oscillate, which means we move, we cycle, we have a, a frequency, it means it is not a repeating pattern in a linear pattern, but it actually is a resounding or a, like a piece of music, a, it vibrates, its energy passes out from the center. And more than it does that just passes out from the center, it, as that sound passes out, it influences, let's say, the electrons it bounces against, and therefore you get a resonance and a resonance and a resonance. And this is really what they're talking about with time crystals. So let me explain this. If you remember those balls that used to, you'd set one off and you'd see that impulse passing along all the balls that it hit. What if every third ball, instead of it just passing the message on in a linear pattern, it actually reverberates, oscillates, and sends the message back to the original ball as well as passing it on to the next ball. So you have this message that goes we could say back and forward. And then every, let's say you have every third and then every sixth, and you keep having these time crystals there where the impulse is passed along and then it's passed back as well as going forward. And that's what a, a time crystal is doing. It's sending messages in more than one direction. Now, I'm just talking about, again, somewhat of a linear passage. So it doesn't only go forward, it goes back and forward. But what if it goes up and down? What if it goes outwards? What if it goes in many directions? And this is what Google are creating as their quantum computer. The ability to compute, to send messages much, much faster than ever before. In the past, they had relied on a message being sent in this linear fashion. Now, with these time crystals, they are able to pass messages and make connections at a rate that is far exceeds any computer we have up to now. And when I was thinking about this, I use my own quantum computer, which is my thinking process. And I thought of my brain, and I thought of my nervous system. And I thought of what we see in our nervous system where we have a nerve cell, we call it a neuron, and it has an axon, which is a tube, and 
the nerve cell sends the message out along the axon and it goes in a linear pattern until it reaches a synapsis or the synaptic cleft. And in that time, that message will be either translated into a chemical or into another electrical impulse and passed on to something else, which may be another nerve or it might be to a muscle or it may be to a gland to act. In other words, in our normal process, we see the nerve cell you know, has the idea, it passes the energy along the axon that then has this influence on our nerves, on our muscles, or our glands. Again, very linear. But it made me then think, well, what if, instead of us just thinking it's a one-way passage, the synapse itself, now stay with me on this, the synapse, which you could say is a gap, a chemical gap, a, a place of waiting, a place of, of change, transformational place, that when that message reaches that synapse, the synapse acts like a time crystal. Okay? So instead of the message just going along and now it has an influence, it's actually going to go back along that neuron. It goes back along the axon, I should say, back to the neuron. And it goes up and it goes down because synapses don't only have one connection. They may have many connections. So another way of saying it, it's like a, a room in the middle of where there are many doors through which you could pass. Or it could be, as I like to say, a train station and you're in the, in the train station, but that train station supplies many parts of the country. You can go off in many directions from that train station. So it's a junction. And that excites me that we already have in us time crystals. And those time crystals I'm going to call are our synapses. Now, just to let you know that a synapse, as I say, could just be made up of two axons or two nerve cells meeting each other and passing on a message. But more commonly, there is a release of what we call a neurotransmitter. And neurotransmitters are those that, that stimulate us, that quieten us down, that make us happy. In fact, there are thousands of neurotransmitters that are affected by our moods, our emotions. But in the case of our nerve cells, we may not see so many. Let's not say we have thousands. But we know that we have neurotransmitters that inhibit a reaction or enhance it. And I'm just suggesting that we may, there may be much more going on in that synapse than just let's inhibit this in reaction or not. What if it transforms it? What if that synapse, as I say, is like this time crystal that is saying, in this moment, this consciousness could change forever, depending on what choices Christine makes. I hope you're following me. So here I am in my train station. And in that moment, as I'm standing in the middle of the train station with all the boards around me saying, where would you like to go? And I've looked at many boards with that idea. I've done the same in airports. Like, ooh, where shall I go from here? Have you ever done that? And the choices are yours. So to me, the synapse is a place of choice. It's a place of where would you like to go now? Now, 
what is interesting about that idea is that if that's true, if we say our life is not based on then I was a small child and then I grew and I grew and grew, in this place, in this station where I've got choice, I can also take a train that takes me back to the past or forward into the future or up in the air or down there. What I'm saying is in a, in a quantum computer, in a time crystal, it gets us the opportunity to change our past, to alter our future. Because none of that, none of that exists except for when we make a choice to focus on it. I'm not getting too confusing here. What I want us to understand is that once, and I've talked about this before, once we stop relying on time to influence us, it is purely a matter of where we choose to place our focus. Manifestation only happens when we pay attention to something. When we change our focus, that manifestation no longer exists in that format. So I believe our future and what's happening to us now as I call it our holding pattern is that we're in this place where we can make a choice. Where do we want to land our plane? Now, it's not possible to land it in a completely different country. But I am saying is I feel that we are being open to choice in a way we've never had before. And this isn't necessary, well, I'm, I'm going to choose to do a different job. This is really more to do with choosing how we wish to connect. How do we wish to relate? It's as if all relationships are being tested at this time, not because of the person, the other person that's in the relationship, but how we wish to turn up in that relationship, or if we do wish to turn up in that relationship. That makes sense? So how, in, what's happening is there is a breaking of old time-based connections. Oh, I've known this person for this long, or I should be like that because they're a member of my family. It's literally like if time didn't exist, how do you wish to relate to this individual? How do you wish to relate to your job? How do you wish to relate to your body? How do you wish to relate to your health, your partner, whatever? Does that make sense? What I'm saying is the way we turn up, the connections we make should not be bound on past experiences only. They're valuable, but they may block future connections because we're so focused on only this is the way I need to be with this person. What if there's a completely different way you can be with them or not be with them? When I hear someone telling me this is the way it is, I think, wow, you are so needy of it being that way that any different possibility is a threat to you. No, it's, it's like us standing in that train station and me saying, where would you like to go? And they go, well, I only would go here. Why, why are you giving me an option? 
this is where I have to be. This is where my family are. This is where my home is. It's like, no, that's just one connection. It doesn't mean you're not going to have a relationship with that family, but there are other opportunities. And maybe if you visited somewhere else and then went back to the family, you would see your family in different ways. So the more locked in we are to one way of being, one way of relating, one way of thinking, the more fearful we are of the potential of others. And the more locked in, the less we have what we call a plasticity of our synapses or a plasticity of our mind. Now, one other thing before I move into that is to enhance why we even had that relationship in the first place. Remember, we create everything in order to know ourselves. So if we're so, so determined to hold on to a job or a, or a relationship, it means we haven't yet taken from that job or learned from that experience what will bring us wisdom, which will bring us strength. So it's really important to say, what is it I've learned from this person? When, how have I grown? But also to embody that, not just in our heads, to literally live it. So if I'm asking someone, you know, what was, what was so wonderful about doing that? And why are you so uniquely equipped? And why are you such an expert in this? I need to hear from you that you've embodied those qualities that you used in that job or you expressed in that relationship. It's not enough that our mind knows that we're good. We have to embody those gifts, those, those qualities. So yeah, I'm pretty good at doing that. I'm very good. <laughs> I'm a really loving person. And not just to say it from the top of our heads, like, yes, I'm very loving, but really saying, yes, I can feel that lovingness inside me. Yes, I can feel that, that givingness inside me. Yes, I can feel that quality of brilliance inside me. Whatever it is, we need to feel it because otherwise we will keep returning to a place to be fed because we don't, we haven't as yet embodied inside ourselves. In order to be free to make choices, we need to release those places that we keep going back to because we don't as yet know it within ourselves. Now, my final piece on this is looking at synapses. And as I started to read about synapses and the idea of a, a synapse being this amazing place of choice and connection, I read about it from uh, our children's point of view. So what I understood is that we start off with so many synapses, like something, you know, a huge number of synapses, and we, we move on and, and we end up by the, about the age of three with a thousand trillion synapses. And then what happens is they call it synaptic pruning, is that due to our experiences in the world, we start to, one could say, lose the synapses, the connections we had that we're not using and strengthen the ones we do. So an adult has 500 trillion, so half, half as many synapses as a child. But it doesn't mean that we don't keep learning and we can develop new synapses, but our processes 
what is useful for me to make a connection to and and what can I am I never going to make a connection to and that's really what happens but it made me think that this age of three three four year old is so vitally important for that age to be discovering the world to be making new connections to be learning new things to be exploring their world to asking those questions why what how and that the children of the last two years have been limited in that ability in so many families whether due to masks, lockdown, not going to school. And what was interesting for me was that when I read about that babies, yes, learn a lot and they, they have these synapses, but it isn't until we are actually over the age of two, as I say, three, that this pruning takes place. So the most important time for a child to be out in the world, questioning the world, learning new things, is that age two years on and it feels so sad that masks were applied to children only over the age of two in fact you know ever shouldn't masks should never have been applied to children at all had so they had a minimal minimal risk of ever passing on covid or even catching it or it being devastating to them what we have done to these children's synapses is appalling and what I came to understand that the more isolated a child is, the greater the risk of their synapses or them having less and less synapses. In other words, it's not just if you don't use it, it you'll lose it. If you don't learn something new, you'll lose it. And I think that was the message that I really picked up was we all need to learn something new every day. Hopefully you're learning something new from me today. But if we're not stimulating our mind every day to learn something new, to experience a different path, to imagine ourselves in that station and say, wow, which way will I go today? Like walking our dog in a different path every day or doing something different, breaking out of those old routines. I used to go and visit my mother on a Sunday. And on a Sunday, she used to have the newspaper would provide this wonderful general knowledge new crossword and she would spend the whole of the day this was long before computers looking up in her books the answers to some of those crossword questions she'd be learning every day i think we don't have enough of that it's not enough to if i may say just do a sudoku or which i love doing but just to doing puzzles we need to be doing something that is stretching our mind opening a new synapse, making a new connection, meeting people who are different from us. So, because it's only when we meet people who are different that we can open our minds up and say, wow, what would it be like to walk in their moccasins? How could we be like them? And I would hope that I'm inspiring all of us to use our own quantum computer, to understand our own time crystals that are within our being now, 500 trillion of them. Because if we don't keep understanding that we have choice, that we can expand our consciousness and that we need to, we literally will start to slow down our brains, not to be able to think and lock ourselves into a pattern that is far less effective than the future of a quantum computer.
We are amazing beings. I was listening to Dolores Cannon speaking about why we're here and I've heard different things, but they're all saying as much the same thing, that the creative energy, whatever you want to call it, God, the great mother, wanted to love herself more fully. So she created souls, humans, beings. And so that every time that being went out into the world and experienced itself, she could experience herself and love herself more. And Dolores Gannon speaks about how our journey as humans is to actually experience ourselves in all facets of God's imagination of what a human could be. I felt huge. And I thought, why not? Why not say, if I am living in God's image, that I actually can be in any format and still be shining out through the divine light? Now, we could do it <laughs> through many, many past lives. But I think we can do it also just in this one life. And I think about how many people I've met in my life and I have said, let me walk a mile in your moccasins. Let me feel what it's like to be you. Because when I know you, I know me and I know my God within. And those who judge someone else as being not of the divine sort are already limiting their connections, limiting their abilities to create new synapses. Heaven forbid when we start to say, well, okay, what if I connect to, as I love doing, the nature kingdoms, the stone kingdoms, the animal kingdoms, the plant kingdoms? They are all parts of our divine spark, a, a spark of the divine of God. And then we think about the ETs or the star beings or whatever we want to call them. Can we open our minds enough to say, and I'm in that, and I'm in that. There's another part of me. There's a part, another part of creation. They're the synapses that are opening now. They're the connections that we're being asked to accept within our heart, but not just say, I accept it, but to realize even that, even they are the resonance of ourselves, to see ourselves in the eyes of a butterfly, to see ourselves as a beautiful rock, to see ourselves as a star being, to see ourselves as a tiny grain of sand. To see ourselves in those we love and admire, and those who we have difficulty admiring. They all exist within us and around us. And that's what makes us this amazing beings that we are. Sending love to you all. Blessings for being in my life as part of me. I see you, I hear you, I feel you, I know you, and love you. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the HeartSpeak Podcast with Dr. Christine Page. Please check out all HeartSpeak episodes in the podcast archive section on www.christinepage.com. HeartSpeak is also available on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, and now playing on Amazon Music and iHeartRadio. You can also watch the Archive Podcast on Christine's channel on YouTube and now on Rumble. Connect with Christine on Instagram, LinkedIn, and Facebook. 
including her newest Facebook group, The Great Mother Calling. Do share with family, friends, colleagues. Join us next time for another edition of Heart Speak.